Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash atheistnomads. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash atheistnomads. We are the Atheist Nomads, bringing you history, science, politics, religion, and interviews with leaders in the atheist community. Not all those who wander are lost. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. This is our 40th episode. It's amazing we've already made it that far. And nobody's tried to shut us down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 40 episodes uh, uh, later, we'll have the conclusion of the Ari Mandel interview. And uh, I'm Dustin, and joining me as always is Wesley. Hello. How's it How going, Wesley? Not bad, man. Not bad. <laughs> are, are you liking the fact that the government seems to be at least semi-stable at the moment? <laughs> No, because they haven't done shit since since the the shutdown was abated. So yeah, that's that's looming ever closer, ever nearer. Bothers me. Yeah. Oh, I because because we could be doing this again in, in like a month or two. Yeah. Yeah. I came across an article uh, a couple days ago mm-hmm. about the this current session of Congress is the least effective ever. That sounds about right. All year, they have enacted, I think it's like 61 laws, <laughs> 61 pieces of legislation. Well, I'm sure that means that, you know, our government has, has found that happy place where we just don't need to make new laws, right? I think you need at least that much to do a budget. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. they they haven't. Heck, it's it's that's the whole reason why Harry Reid exercised the nuclear option, just so we can finish filling the bench right now the federal bench i think it's like a third of seats are empty wow i did not know that they were filibustering just about every single nominee (laughs) and so you had obama trying to put up uh moderate uh judges and they were still getting filibustered (laughs) and so now with the the nuclear option uh being exercised it only takes a simple majority in the senate to get those judges put in and obama can he can appoint anybody he wants uh, awesome another article i came across uh talked about how we are we currently have the most conservative judiciary ever because of the last few years with with democrats trying to pander to republicans by submitting uh moderates and republicans well submitting whoever the hell they want well, that that that's fucking lovely, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, well, anyway, let's let's move on to some uh, some business for the podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. first one. Uh, periodically, there are issues with the site. Uh, every hosting provider will have some some downtime, some connectivity issues. Uh, heck, the day we're recording, uh, I got a message that, from Wesley uh, talking about a an error that was coming up when he was trying to load up the website. This is true. And I was getting a 522. Yeah. I didn't initially confirm that error, but pretty soon I was getting it too. Um, I was just noticing other general slowness, and I was able to report it to the hosting company, and they confirmed that there was a data center-wide uh, bandwidth issue. 
Yeah, so if you ever see a problem, let us know. Yes. We'll try and fix it as soon as possible. Yes, let us know quickly. <laughs> that also goes with anything else. If you're having trouble downloading the podcast, if you're having um, trouble with the files you're listening to, if I screwed up something really bad in editing, uh, one time I forgot. If he, if he screws something up really bad, tell me first, and then <laughs> then we'll tell him so we can both laugh. Uh, or, or you could just... Send it to me directly, Dustin at atheistnomads.com. <laughs> Contact works as well. It goes to both of us. But either way, I will, I'll see it and respond to it as quickly as I can. Mm. Uh, the, the last big editing mess up I had, like really the, the only one anybody ever told me about, at least, editing problem, uh, I'd forgotten to sync up the two tracks when we were doing the news segment. Hmm. So it actually came out at the end as a stereo. Oh. So I was in one ear and Wesley was in the other ear. For... Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> yes, that is, that's not what we want. Uh, that's something that I do during editing just to make it easier uh, for me to uh, clean up background noise. And because of somebody pointing that out to me and me fixing it as quickly as I could when I, I got up that morning, um, I was added a step in the, the post-production process to make sure that doesn't happen in the future. Cool. Uh, we had people uh, recently report issues with using the online player and definitely found uh, some testing I did after that as well. Don't use the online player. <laughs> Download the show. <laughs> it will cool. eventually uh, mess up on you. So if you download it, you know, download it and listen to it. Don't just try to stream it off the website. Uh, it'll be much easier for you. Um, but when you are reporting issues to me, be as specific as you can with what happened. Ideally, also include what web browser you're using, what operating system you're using, the time that it happened. If you get an error message, error code, yes. anything. Yep. Uh, the more information you can provide me, the better. All right. So... Uh, Next up is the uh, the Amazon click through. Um, oh yeah, people have been using this, and uh, it's much appreciated. Yes, very much so. We we've got things we want to do. We've got expenses that do come up with the the show, and I'll be honest, we're trying to get to the American Atheist Convention. Mm-hmm. Can you help us? Yeah. Can Can you help it, brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I've been unemployed for four months now. Fucking a. Uh, yeah, it's the the, the finances are getting quite stretched so it's definitely nice having the podcast at least supporting itself um the uh the more it can help with with things like going to the american atheist convention definitely the better yeah i'll, I'll crash on somebody's couch but you know i need a couple of tanks of gas to get there or you a tank to, to boise and then carpools me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah totally i mm -hmm. do that <laughs> All right, now it's time for uh, feedback, which we don't have any. Ah, uh, yeah. But if oh, but if we if we make it to American Atheist, you will get a picture of me humping David Silverman's leg. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> it it will be made available. Wow, wow! <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you've got any feedback for us, uh, please email us at contact at atheistnomads.com or leave us a voicemail message at 541-203-0666. And I'm going to try and post a shortened link to our Amazon click-through on our Facebook page because mm. I'm betting that, that you can just use that. Uh-huh. And you can. Do your Amazon shopping. Yeah. 
So that would be appreciated. Yes. Thank you, guys. <laughs> we do want to thank all of our supporters. And rather than just list them uh, on the show each time we record, uh, we've got their names all down in the, the show notes and also on the supporters page on the website. And anybody who becomes a supporter, uh, we will name you at least that we first out you. <laughs> if you want us to. <laughs> If uh, you don't want us to talk to, about you. Now, everybody that that's, that does that, I I send them an email and I ask them how they want to be listed and if they got any links they want. Um, yeah, so it's not yeah, like you well, just give us money and I blab your full name. No, but we'll pimp the stuff that you want us to if you, if yes. you want us to. Uh, especially if you become a Dark Matter sponsor at $100 a month. Holy shit. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes. Foundation Beyond Belief is a community of compassionate humanists and atheists supporting outstanding charities worldwide. Members sign up for automatic donations starting at $5 a month, then distribute those funds however they wish among the featured charities. To date, this unique humanist organization has raised over three quarters of a million dollars to make this world a better, more humane place. We don't look to the skies for a better world. Foundation Beyond Belief is humanity at work. Learn more or join us at foundationbeyondbelief.org. This day in history, December 5th, 1492. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christopher Columbus, he lands on Hispaniola, which is now known as the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Yeah, so you might have heard about him. Uh, never touched America, but he cruised all through those little islands down there and even touched uh, South America on his second or third trip. Yeah, so hooray for white people. Nah. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Um, yeah, this this is a guy that, uh, you know, sure knew, sure knew how to get stuff done. He actually went to the Spanish to... to uh, he went to the Spanish to invest in, in his trips because nobody else would, would really believe him that he could make it. But, yeah, uh, I think the first time he landed, he thought he actually hit Japan. And then, because he was trying to aim for, you know, like, further around, like, India and stuff. But mm -hmm. I guess we were kind of in the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's pretty sad that even though the Vikings had made it to North America, that knowledge didn't make it didn't survive like hundreds of years before weren't they yeah it was like two or three hundred years earlier yeah, and that knowledge yeah, yeah just didn't stick around or at least didn't make it that far south <laughs> yeah, that's a shame but uh yeah that was that was today supposedly so long as he wrote his date kept his dates right i guess yeah well yeah he touched on other islands before but this one specifically yeah hispaniola mm -hmm. and on for a fun one this day in history, December 5th, 1933, Prohibition ends. Here, here. Yay. What you drinking today? Lauren <gasps> bought me some Black Butte. Okay, okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, let's go into this a little bit. This one's kind of fun. Uh, and, yeah, so this day in 1933, the 21st Amendment to the United States Constitution, Constitution is ratified, repealing the 18th Amendment and bringing an end to the era of national prohibition of alcohol. Yay! Yay! 
So it was actually Utah of all places that was the 36th state uh, to sign the 25th Amendment, which gave the 75% majority needed to strike down the 18th Amendment, which was the one that banned liquor in the first place. So, a bit more history. The 18th Amendment officially took effect on January 29th, 1920. Before that passed, the Congress was able to override President Woodrow Wilson's veto and passed the Volstead Act on October 28th, 1919. The Volstead uh, added teeth to the Department of Justice by creating a large gun-packing, gun-toting group of men that hunted down moonshiners, uh, their stills, and all the bootleggers that were around. It's reported that the Department of Justice destroyed, like, thousands of illegal stills in the first six months. Um, it's also directly correlated to the rise of crime and gangsters pretty much through the entire U.S., but especially through, like, Chicago, New York, and other big Eastern-ish cities. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the coin, billions of lost tax dollars in revenue for the government with that was a really hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't take long for almost everybody to figure out prohibition was a complete failure. Because, uh, you know, if you wanted a drink, you could fucking get one pretty much anytime, anywhere. Uh, but it still took about 13 years to end the supposed dry spell. Interestingly enough, uh, some states continued the prohibition on their own. Like uh, Mississippi was actually the last state to let people drink legally. And they repealed the, their law in 1966. Holy fuck. Yeah. That's just states. Yeah. Every state handled it differently. Um, you had some states that, you know, especially like Oregon, Washington, and Idaho, the state controlled all liquor. You and still so, have states that have uh, what what you call blue laws, where you can't buy alcohol at, after certain times or like mm-hmm. on Sundays. Uh, Utah is a good example. Um, you can... Not buy alcohol on Sunday or Election Day. <laughs> election Day. Interesting. <laughs> of course, if you don't like the way the election went down, sometimes you really need a stiff drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's also dry counties. Hmm. And so even though every state has allowed alcohol, some have allowed counties to decide for themselves. Uh, Idaho's a, a good example of that. In, uh, say, Boise, or Ada County, uh, where Boise is, there is not a lot of restriction on alcohol. I think it's just pretty much, I think it is just the state rules. Hmm. Uh, but you go out to uh, Rexburg, Idaho, where uh, BYU, Idaho is, and they cannot serve hard alcohol. What? It's beer, wine, and pre-made mixed drinks with low alcohol levels only. Ew. And then you go to one of the neighboring counties to that, alcohol is completely forbidden. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So, Rexburg, the college town, the Mormon college town, it's mm-hmm. allowed, just mm-hmm. modified. Yeah. But there's actually dry counties, too, yep. in Idaho? Wow. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> actually, in Rexburg, I was there on business once, and uh, there were two places to get alcohol there. The bowling alley sold beer, and then Applebee's. Uh, for a little while, they did have a bar, but the bar shut down because of lack of business. Um, I think the bowling alley continues to sell beer, and Applebee's sells beer, wine, and pre-mixed, like, probably 5% alcohol, Long Island iced tea. Yeah. <laughs> you don't drink Long Islands or Long Beaches for the flavor. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> 
You do in Rexburg. Mm. <laughs> you know, actually, <laughs> what was the really worst funny. Tasting shit ever. I was I was there at the at the Applebee's, uh, eating, having some beer, and talking to some of the locals that were there at the bar. And mm-hmm. actually, the bartender even told me what's really funny is most of the alcohol orders they get are for wine, and they specifically ask for it to be in a regular glass. Really? So that the other people around them won't know what they're doing. Yeah. Mormons trying to covertly drink. Oh. Naughty, naughty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sipping on my grape juice over here. <laughs> I would like a uh, nice glass of grape juice. Wink, wink. Fermented grape juice. Yes. <laughs> That is awesome. Good, <laughs> good fucking God. Just fucking, just fucking have a drink. Who cares? God. <laughs> Should pass all those people a copy of David's book and say, fuck it. Just drink, damn it. Drink. You're going to yeah. need a drink after you read this. <laughs> You've been lied to all your life. All right. This day in history, December 5th, 1945. Five U.S. Navy Avenger torpedo bombers took off from Fort Lauderdale on what should have been a three-hour and about 320-mile walk in the park. After two hours in the air, the squad leader radioed that his directional equipment was not working and his position was unknown, even though he had flown in that area for about the past six months. Yeah. Uh, I think it was about two hours later, uh, they were able to get a a couple confused messages back to the base and saying that they were about to ditch their aircraft because they were just about out of gas. And it was about another hour later when uh, a Mariner aircraft with 13 men took off to search for them. Uh, and about three minutes later, the, the Mariner aircraft radioed back to say, you know, after they just took off to say that they were on their way to go search. The Mariner aircraft was never heard from again. So, within the span of about five hours, you have, was it like uh, 14 men on Flight 19 and 13 men from the Mariner? Mm. Goddamn, 27 people lost in about five hours, and nobody knows why. And that is the start of the, the big stories of the Bermuda Triangle. Huh. Yeah. yeah, what a shame, what a shame. Uh, I'm going to guess there's nothing magical, but uh, yeah. You know, that that part of the Atlantic, I believe it does get a lot of storms. Yeah. It's got some strong currents, and those can cause some issues. I'll tell you what's not strange. Uh, planes that aren't made to float, not floating. <laughs> That's not strange yeah. at all. Yeah. So if you're like, even if you're... Land, you know, landing your your plane gently on the water because you're gonna bail out. It's probably still gonna sink like really fucking quick and not leave anything on the water. Just saying. So, not finding a bunch of airplanes that aren't designed to float, not really a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's really sad that 27 people died, but fuck. Yeah. And this day in history. December 5th, 1969, the first four ARPANET nodes are brought online. So, these guys were actually, uh, you know, kind of doing the internet thing before the internet was the inter- was even a glimmer in, in anybody's little eye. 
Yeah. So these guys were, you know, chatting back and forth, sending emails, communicating at about 50K a second, which was actually pretty damn speedy up until the mm-hmm. mid-90s. So, <laughs> wow. Well, 50 kilobits or 50 I thought, kilobods? I thought it was a bit kilobit. Yeah, if so, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, you know, this is fucking government shit. Mm-hmm. High-end government shit. In 1970, they uh, upgraded it to 230.4 kilobits per second. Fuck, see? Yeah. Holy shit. Man, I, I'll bet you that's running better than the, the dual ISDNs I used to put into businesses. Mm-hmm. At, you know, 128s. Damn, son. Yeah, so fucking A. If you want to thank anybody for the for what we use now, it's really pretty much these guys. So American engineers like uh, Paul Barron, uh, British scientist Donald Davies, and Lawrence Roberts from the Lincoln Laboratory. Um, later came TCP/IP connections. Uh, was that Robert Kahn and Vincent Vinton Cerf, which I've heard of Vinton before. Fuck. Yeah, so hooray for for government dark projects. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they change the world like the internet has. Fucking A. Think of all the kittens and porn you have access to now. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go to titties and kitties in the same place. <laughs> really? Titties and, I have to search that. Um, It's on Tumblr. Is it a thing? Uh-huh. Kitties and titties, I think it is. Titties and kitties. Oh, it is a Tumblr. <laughs> oh, there's a warning. It is not even remotely safe for work. <laughs> All right. So uh, for you, the listeners of Atheist Nomads, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You might want to check out the complete Heretic's Guide to Western Religion, Book One, The Mormons, written and narrated by David Fitzgerald. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash atheistnomads. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash atheistnomads for your free audiobook. And now it's time for science and technology. Hmm. Uh, first up, we've got a robot back in, in the news. Uh, Amazon is working on drones. Yeah, a e-commerce company wanting to use drones. This time not to, to spy on people or kill people. Nope, they are working on drones to do same-day delivery. And this is actually sounds pretty cool. I've, I've read a couple articles about this in the last couple of days. Uh, up to five-pound packages within a 10-mile radius of the Amazon Fulfillment Center. Uh, and from what I remember... The vast majority of Amazon's packages are less than five pounds. So this could actually be fairly doable, especially in, you know, cities like Seattle, where they have a fulfillment center and, you know, a whole bunch of houses around them. Mm -hmm. This probably is going to take, I think they said like 2015 before this could really get in place. 2015 is when the FAA has been directed to have plans in place to allow drones in airspace in the U.S. I think that might might get uh, passed by even quicker because I know UPS is looking into this also and might be able to get it done even quicker. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> hell yeah. Let's see. Now, what I kind of wonder with it is, you know, when, when UPS comes and drops off your, your Amazon package, they at least knock on the door or ring the doorbell. The drone <laughs> drops the package... They're going to need enough room to get it in, so I'd imagine it might just be getting dropped in your yard. 
Yeah, fair, fairly close to it, yeah. And uh, that wouldn't work in rainy weather. Unless they could mm-hmm. actually get it into your, your doorstep. That'd be pretty cool. Sent you a link on Skype's. Mm. Yeah, for UPS. Nice. All right. Which, that is the same drone that uh, Amazon is using. They just slapped a UPS logo on it, on Engadget. Yeah, the Octocopter. Looks pretty slick, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Texas has uh, finally approved the textbooks um, that actually contain science. <laughs> yeah. So, science is the, it's a thing. Yay. <laughs> they have been uh, fully defeated, 100% defeated. And the uh, Texas Board of, of Education has approved all proposed science textbooks, and none of them undermine education or climate change. I love how they uh, put scare quotes around the creationist think tank, <laughs> because, yeah, there's no thinking going on. What? No. No. There's theologizing going on, but not really thinking. Yeah. I'm sure that people like Eugenie Scott and the uh, National Center for Science Education, they, they've got to be cheering right now. Mm-hmm. And Eugenie's replacement. Shit. But, yeah, fucking A. Hooray science. Yes. Yes. Hooray <laughs> science for sure. All right. Uh, next up, a research team led by Regini Verma at the University of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, have compared the brains of 449 men and women between the ages of 8 and 22. Mm. Particularly, they looked at the cortex and the cerebellum and looked at the connections between them. And what they did find is that in the female brains they looked at, the left and right hemispheres of the cortex had a lot more connections. And in males, uh, the cerebellum had more links to the cortex on the opposite side than the brain of the females. This does actually help support uh, a lot of the longstanding stereotypes about the way men and women's brains work, uh, about how they're wired differently. And they're finding, yes, they are wired differently. Uh, now, the, the next goal uh, for this team is to actually uh, do a lot more study, bring in more people, and to find out how much variation there is within each sex and whether or not it is a firm, you've got one type of brain wiring or the other, or if there's a, a, a gray area in between. I would love to continue. see some study on, on like, uh, a whole bunch of transgender people. Yes. <laughs> That would be absolutely phenomenal. Now, granted, yeah, because 949 most likely cisgendered people is a very small study size. For anything. Yeah. Fairly small. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this will be uh, really cool to see what happens now, wh- where this goes next. Mm. All right, let's get on to the fun one. About a year ago, uh, at least I, I know I heard about this on, on the SGU. Uh, I don't believe we talked about it. Um, but there was a paper in the journal Food and Chemical Toxology that looked at laboratory rats and tumor growth and fed some genetically modified corn and others non-genetically modified corn, uh, conceivably organic corn. And the paper claimed that the GM corn caused a lot more tumor growth. Uh, the blogosphere science podcasts, a lot of people tore it to shreds. And rightly so. Yeah. And now the journal that published it has withdrawn it. And it's about goddamn time, too. The rats that uh, 
Giles Eric Seralini, the uh, the re- research group leader, chose uh, these rats are made to develop tumors. Mm-hmm. That's essentially their purpose. You know, they don't live very long, about two years at the most. And I think it's about 40 to 60% of, of this breed of rat will develop a, a cancerous tumor. And that's, that's why they have them is to, to breed them and see effects of X product on, you know, on these poor little rats tumors and stuff. So that, I mean, this is a, like a predetermined ending. He already knew it was going to happen with this breed of rat anyways. Mm-hmm. Sample size wasn't sufficient enough to really be able to show any kind of cause and effect. It was extremely tiny. We're talking like 10 or 20. I mean, there there was a very small, yeah, pathetic all the way around. Oh, man. Especially considering the propensity to tumors in that that breed. It would be more surprising if if none of them got tumors. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So, very glad to see that one gone. All right. Um, Next, we have a a study um, looking at the CCR uh, receptor, and it's encoded by the CMKBR5 gene. Oh, uh, yeah. Pretty, uh, okay, complicated way of saying this particular mutation uh, has been found to be highly resistant to HIV-1. And HIV-1 is the predominant uh, form of HIV found outside of Africa. Anyway, they've also found that uh, certain populations within Europe have much higher um, rates of, of this mutation and thus a much higher resistance to HIV. Specifically, hmm. they found Finns and Mord- Mordvanians to be at 16% HIV resistant. Uh, the lowest they found in Europe was in Sardinia at 4%. Hmm. What they found looking at this is the mutation uh, probably came from a single mutation event. It was probably only a few thousand years ago in northeastern Europe. That would explain why it is most prevalent in Finland, that's definitely northeastern Europe, and least prevalent down in Sardinia in southern Europe. Hmm. Uh, All right, sticking on the the AIDS theme, uh, some scientists have discovered a new strain of HIV in uh, Africa Hmm. that develops AIDS two years faster than the other forms of the virus that have been found. Yeah. Um, This strain has been found in West Africa. And they're calling it A302. Um, it was it was only discovered in 2011, um, but they've already found it in uh, Guinea-Bissau, and it is formed when the two most common strains in that region fuse together. So the two most common strains they get together and they make kind of like a super AIDS. Mm-hmm. They should have those people go up to Finland. <laughs> uh, I don't think that resistance would protect against that strain. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, people with with this strain are getting H are getting developing AIDS within five years. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, in Australia, the anti-vaccination group, the Australian Vaccination Network, which based on the name you would think would be pro-vaccine or that they'd be at least pro-vaccine or or at least you know willing to hear both sides. Yeah, you you'd think it it, it would be a. a Good repository of information about vaccines. The Administrative Decisions Tribunal in New South Wales has found that the name is inherently misleading because an ordinary member of the public would think that they would provide comprehensive information and not 
explicitly anti-vaccine information. And so they have been ordered to change their name into something that reflects its anti-vaccination stance. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hooray! <laughs> Congratulations to the Australian skeptics and uh, and in particular to Dr. Rachie for helping get this all together because mm-hmm. they've they've done a lot to help put the AVN down. Yeah. All right. Next. All right. Uh, for years, researchers have been trying to find some hormonal or pill form or just generally some kind of a temporary contraceptive that could work on men. And so far, everything that's been found is either permanent, very dangerous, ineffective, or effectively castration. So again, permanent mm. with horrible side effects you don't want. So it's it hasn't really been been working yet. I've actually heard women bitch and complain about it, um, assuming that it's some kind of a conspiracy to make sure that women have to have the full brunt of of uh, contraceptives. Anybody listening, I guarantee that is not the case. As a man, it'd be very nice to have more control over that myself. Hell yeah, double up on that shit too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <clears throat> a uh, a team of scientists been. Uh, working on trying to find a way to make it so that, you know, men can't, the sperm doesn't do anything or can't mm-hmm. do anything. And yeah, the key thing is temporary and safe. Uh, this new method they found is blocking two proteins that are found in the smooth muscle cells that trigger the transport of sperm during ejaculation. Now, they don't actually have any way to, um, do one of these safely, but there's already drugs that, that block one of those proteins already. Uh, unfortunately, it does take both of them. So it'll be a, it'll, they're thinking it'll take at least 10 years to still produce this into a safe pill form. Um, but in the mouse models they've worked with, it causes infertility and there is no long-term effect on sexual behavior or function. It seems like a pretty good technique they're aiming for, uh, saying that, uh, Basically, the sperm is still there and it's still working just fine. But uh, the muscle that actually moves the the sperms into the the rest of the fluid and and on out just doesn't move the sperm out. It just kind of yeah. doesn't work. So yeah, if we can turn off that little muscle there, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'll definitely look forward to more uh, information on this as they they continue to develop it. Um, in particular, in particular on how long it takes to reverse its effects. Reverse? Fuck. Shit. Who cares? <laughs> Nothing like that's going to be all that... Okay, heck, if you want a permanent solution, there's always vasectomies. This is true. This is true. <laughs> you know, a quick uh, outpatient operation. You're out for a couple days. Yeah. I'm guessing you can eat lots of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever the surgery is, you eat ice cream, right? So, yeah. 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 Ice cream and beer. All right. Do you have an idea for a website but don't know how to get started? Are you tired of expensive hosting draining your budget dry? Archway Hosting can help. Our fully functional hosting service starts at $20 per year. That includes hosting, databases, email, and much more. We also do web design and web development. Check us out at archwayhosting.com. That's A-R-C-H-W-A-Y hosting.com. The Netherlands has, uh, by a vote of 49 to 21 in their Senate, 
repealed their ban on blasphemy. Yay. Yes. Or I should say, God damn. <laughs> uh, this law has been on the books for a long time, and it's come under a lot of flack. Um, in particular, because, well, for a couple of reasons, one being the right to free expression is kind of fundamental in any democratic society. And the Netherlands has long been viewed as on the forefront of, of democracy. But the other big thing is it's been decades since somebody has convicted anyone on this. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What's surprising is that 21 people voted against it. I'm surprised they could find 21 religious people up there that's that's what's <laughs> kind of surprising yeah but hey good on you netherlands Hooray. yeah <laughs> you know and especially with the the increasing amount of muslims moving up into into europe and the way those immigrants are trying to bring their culture and their rules and their laws with them uh, moves like this are definitely going to be important I've never understood the 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 reason that a per, any any place would have a blasphemy law though because if there's a group that's talking shit about your religion you're probably going to be talking shit about their religion. Mhm. Yeah, uh whatever it is you say pro or anti-religion it's blasphemy to somebody else. Yeah. If you say hey Jesus is is the the light and the holy and the savior and the, and the hoodie and the ha ha you know what that's going to offend somebody else. Mhm. Well, a muslim saying that Jesus was just a prophet is blasphemy to Christians. Yeah. And a christian saying that Jesus died is the son of God is God or anything more than a prophet and is blasphemy. His mom. <laughs> yeah. That's all blasphemy to muslims. So good or bad, it doesn't matter. You're blaspheming against somebody with uh -huh. every religious word out of your fucking mouth. So yeah. why? So good on you. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Israel, a uh, woman is, is seeking a divorce from her husband, and the rabbinical court that is deciding over this uh, divorce hearing, which seems shocking to me that a rabbinical court would be ruling on divorce in a otherwise secular country. Uh, anyway, the rabbis there have fined her $140 a day for refusing to circumcise her one-year-old son. Mm -hmm. uh, she was interviewed about this and said, I've been exposed to a lot of information about circumcision and decided not to proceed with the circumcision. I have no right to cut at his genitals and to maim him, and the court has no authority to force me. Well... That court actually kind of does. I mean, she's not going to the secular courts. Uh, she doesn't have an option of going to a secular court for that. Yeah, uh, no. So they've actually... Uh, so she's trying to get a get. So what they're a, doing a Jewish is... divorce. They're, they're appealing to the uh, Supreme Court. Here's for hoping. Yeah. that shit's going to add up quick. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm betting she didn't have a lot of money and or a job, so... Fuck, I hope she's able to get some help somewhere. Yeah. Because that's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, you know, around the world, you've got countries in Scandinavia trying to ban uh, circumcision. Hmm. You've got a lot of people finally speaking out about circumcision. It provides little to no benefit and carries huge risks. The amount of time it goes wrong, it's just not worth it. <laughs> and it's generally just a cleanliness issue. I mean... 
the, the benefits, quote unquote benefits of getting circumcised basically go away as long as you're clean about yourself. Well, the only real benefit they found, assuming good hygiene, is slightly decreased risk of contracting uh, STIs. So that's actually brought in a lot of uh, a lot of pushing for circumcision in Africa. And even if that is the case, that should be the child's decision when they grow mm-hmm. up. That's my thought. Yeah, uh, it's it's a surgical procedure. It's not just cosmetic, and dude, it's fucking general mutilation. Any surgery, any kind of pr- surgical procedure has inherent risks of. Failure and complications. And when it is not medically indicated, when it is simply a elective surgery, don't fucking do it. This is a religious-inspired elective surgery. Uh-huh. Yeah. None of this research that has been done was around a couple thousand years ago when they started this shit. Yeah. And heck, for it taking place outside of uh, Judaism, Islam, and a couple of island societies in the South Pacific... The only, uh, nobody was, was doing it before damn John Harvey Kellogg started pushing for it to discourage masturbation. <laughs> yeah, and he was a fucking nutter. Yeah. Well, Tr- his- Trying his, to make Kellogg cereal. <laughs> his real reason for it was to discourage masturbation. He tried to come up with some other post hoc justifications for it, but all of those fell apart pretty quickly, and yet it's still happening. And we still have cornflakes around. <laughs> hmm. uh, frosted flakes, okay. Yeah. All right. So, oh, actually, with frosted flakes, <laughs> yeah. he uh, or, or cornflakes, he created that because bland food, he believed, diminished libido. Oh, uh, i.e., spicy foods uh, help speed you up and get you mm-hmm. sexified. Yeah, Kellogg <laughs> was a fucking nut jar. To put it in, in perspective, he was crazy enough that the Adventist church kicked him out. <laughs> ah, all right. So there was a uh, pastor in Iowa that was recently put on trial. I, I believe we talked about him uh, before for his rape the gay away philosophy. Yeah. Teenage boys would come to him or be sent to him because they were struggling with some homosexual urges and he would then fuck them. Uh, he did this many, many times. He was sentenced to 17 years in prison. His wife wants him in prison and wants him away from their children. And at least somebody has some sense. Yeah. But the judge has suspended the sentence. He'll get probation and sex offender treatment. And then he's out. Motherfucker. Child fucker. Uh, a Methodist pastor has been uh, tried in a church court for the crime of officiating his son's same-sex wedding. His son. And a Methodist jury gave him a 30-day suspension. And if he doesn't renounce his support for marriage equality, i.e. his support for his children, he will be defrocked. As I recall, uh, this pastor said that God told him it was okay, but I'm guessing that the the council doesn't see it that way. No. Uh, For his actual statements on the the topic, uh, I've got the the soundbite here. I'm grateful that uh, I'm still Reverend Frank Schaefer is still there. 
Uh, when I uh, addressed the jury tonight, I gave them every excuse in the book to defrock me immediately, but that did not happen. Now, I'm still wondering what it means, the conditions they've set, but I told them clearly that I can no longer be a silent supporter, but that now I feel I have to be an advocate, an outspoken advocate for all lesbian, gay, transgendered, and bisexual people. We must stop harming beloved children of God in the name of Christ. That is not what Christ asked us to do. He asked us to love our neighbor. He asked us to love and care for our neighbor. That's what I'm here to do. I am not willing to, to refuse ministry to anybody. If a gay couple asked me uh, in the next 30 days, if somebody made up their mind that quickly and wanted me to do the wedding and there's there's a good reason for it, um, if they qualify uh, just like anybody else, yes, I would do it. Nowhere in the Bible does it prohibit a loving, homosexual, and committed relationship. This guy is clearly somebody who is much better than his religion. How interesting. A uh, little thing here. It says that three of Schaefer's four children identify as gay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, here's a little fun bit. After his sentence was announced, his supporters began overturning chairs in the courtroom a reference to the biblical story of Jesus and the money changers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, most of the time we, we bring stories where the religious are being dicks or stupid or dangerous. And in this case, well, the Methodist church is being dicks. But, hey, at least we got one Christian who actually seems to have his heart in the right place. Get on you for, for this, man. Yeah. Right. And the ACLU has filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, this is stemmed from a case where a 20, well, then 20 year old woman in 2010 uh, was 18 weeks pregnant when her water broke. Fran took her to the hospital and they gave her some drugs to stop the contractions and sent her home. She returned with uh, bleeding. They said there was nothing they could do and they sent her home. She returned again on day three delivered the fetus, which, of course, 18 weeks, that's not viable. It's not even remotely viable. It, it lasted for three hours outside of the womb, and she picked up a infection in the process. She's the plaintiff in the suit, and they never gave her information about the safest treatment option, which would have been to induce labor and terminate the pregnancy. They never told her about the risks that were going to happen with this doomed pregnancy that she had. Uh, they didn't tell her that she could get an infection that could cause infertility or other damage. They with, withheld so much critical information and withheld the best quality of care they could provide. Basically gave her no care, all because of the Catholic Church's ethical guidelines that they hold Catholic hospitals to. Uh, this suit, uh, the executive director of the Michigan ACLU, Carrie Moss, uh, what she has to say about it is, it's not just about one woman, it's about a nationwide policy created by non-medical professionals putting patients in harm's way. And th the timing of this is, well, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, right now, 13% of U.S. hospitals are Catholic. Uh, there are mergers going on all over the place, especially right now in Washington. 
And it is very common to have areas where the only hospital you can go to, especially in rural areas, is Catholic. And I think it is awesome that they're getting sued for meddling in in medicine. Withholding medicine at that. Yeah. Or even just withholding information. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Uh, I... I, I've been through seminary education, which is what you would you would need. Granted, the Catholic version of it, I was I was going through the Adventist version, but the type of education you need to get into a position like being a Catholic bishop, that is a completely different field of study from medicine, and it does not qualify you to weigh in on how medicine should be practiced. Should be the doctors. Taking care don't, of that. You don't go to an astrophysicist for a fucking aspirin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the suit goes. Uh, I I don't know really how much the uh, the federal courts could do, considering the fact that the practice of medicine is considered a, a state issue. Uh, but I, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic something good might come from this. Hmm. I don't know. There's got to be some sort of uh, conflict of interest or something between churches and these hospitals, which are private businesses. There's maybe the there's uh, easiest way they could handle it would be to withhold federal funds from any hospital where non-medical professionals are dictating medical practice. That's a start. Yeah. And without Medicaid and Medicare money coming in, without federal grants coming in. Hospitals would have a hard time operating. You've got decisions. This versus that will help you make them. This versus that is an all-new six-hour series that uses science to investigate the world within arm's reach. For instance, what's the fastest way to navigate through highway traffic? Just stay in your lane and creep along, weave in and out of cars, taking advantage of every opening, or is it faster to take surface streets? This versus that will reveal the answer to that question and dozens more. This versus that is the web's number one choice for science enthusiasts, skeptics, and critical thinkers. Go to thisversusthatshow.com. Again, thisversusthatshow.com. This versus that. No bias. No bullshit. Just science, fact, and funny. Use offer code NOMADS when checking out to save 25% off your purchase at thisversusthatshow.com. That offer code, once again, is NOMADS. Now you've you've uh, definitely been involved in some 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 big uh, activism uh, type yeah. type items. Uh, you want to talk about that some? Yes. So let's, let's talk going. about me and my infamy, shall we? Say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So my first foray into the spotlight, so to speak, was back when I was in the army. I got an email from people I completely and totally did not know, and they said they're creating a video. Along the lines, it was a parody, not a parody, but it was, it was, it was, the idea was taken from the, the, um, the, what's it called? The program called It Gets Better, right? Mm -hmm. The, 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 what's the word? The It Gets Better Project. Project, exactly. That's the word I'm for. The pro, the, it, it, the, I get an email from France, from people I did not know, and they say they're creating our version, so to speak, of the It Gets, It Gets Better Project. I had never heard of the It Gets Better project. I didn't know anything about it, but they explained it and I looked it up. And they were looking for before and after pictures of people who had left 
and were, you know, had moved on with their lives and doing whatever they were doing. I said, sure, what the heck, why not? I'm, I'm, you know, a 10 hour drive from New York. I'm minding my own business. I don't have anything to do with anyone, but sure, why not? If, if I can help someone or inspire someone, why not? So I send in a picture. I send in a picture of me, my former self, and I send in a picture of me, you know, day one of basic training. All right. Send it out. They create this video, which is essentially just a slideshow of before and after pictures. Before you know it, this, this video goes viral. Tens of thousands of hits. The entire world has seen it. There are thousands of comments on YouTube back and forth cursing each other out. You know, hate it, love it. Yeah, it's just, it just it blows up. This is before I had, you know, I might have been on Facebook, but it was before anything exciting happened. Then, I, I want to say roughly six to eight months before I left, I got out of the army. Um, I, I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, I, I, I joined a group on Facebook of formerly Orthodox people. And it was, it was very lively. It was very close and warm and family and friendly, but it was very lively. And it was the first contact I'd had in years with people First of all, people, you know, of an orthodox background. So it was like, it was, it was very refreshing to me, but also it was, it was essentially, it was almost the first contact I'd had at all with people of my background who had left. So this is very exciting. Like, here are these people who get it, who've been through this journey and all that. Meanwhile, backtrack a little bit. I had joined Facebook. Well, I, I first, at first I joined MySpace and that shit fizzled out quickly. <laughs> so I joined Facebook. Now I thought for some reason that if I joined Facebook, I had, I had zero notoriety. Nobody, I mean, who, my friends knew who I was and they knew the story, but I was a, I wasn't anything important. But, but you know, a guy who leaves that community and joins the army is going to get some sort of, there's going to be like, it's going to be sort of like an urban legend. Like, holy shit, did you hear about so and so? So I thought if I join, if I join Facebook under my real name, I'm going to get people trash talking me. I didn't, I didn't understand how Facebook works at the time and it was still brand new. Um, but I didn't want people like attacking me and giving me a hard time. I'm here in the army busting my butt. I don't need people fucking with me. So I decided I'm going to assume a fake name so that if you search Ari Mandel, nothing will come up or someone else will come up, not me. So. I, I, I need a f- fake name. What's my fake name going to be? I came up with Rahman al-Islan. Rahman al-Islan is an Aramaic term. Aramaic is the, is the language that the Talmud is written in, which is the, I don't know, the encyclopedia, if, if you could, I don't know. That's not a perfect uh, analogy, but it's, but it's this big, you know, 20 or so volume, gigantic responsa the back and forth, and it, it, it argues the minutia and the details of, of Jewish law and practice and all this kind of thing. So it's written in Aramaic. It's, it was written over the years, but it's, 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 it's at least 1,500 or so years old. It's all written in Aramaic. And the word, the term, it's two words. It's Rahmana Litzlan. Rahmana literally means God. Well, it means merciful or, or to have mercy, but it's used for God because supposedly God is merciful, right? So... When it's used, it has different meanings, but when it's used, you know, in an everyday term, it means, oh my God, God forbid, I can't believe. So it's used in the way of if somebody were to see me or to hear about my story, that's the expression they would use like, oh, 
Rahman I can't believe he did that. Or <laughs> can you believe what so and so's son did? Rahman <gasps> So this is why I chose, you know, sort of tongue in cheek or ironically, I chose this as my name, right? Meanwhile, all I did was I took I had I had fifteen friends. I had my brother and my cousin and my close I had like I had just the closest, closest, absolute closest friends. I didn't raise hell. I didn't make a stink. It was just me and my friends and they knew who I was. It wasn't a secret who I was. As soon as we were friends, everybody and and every time I sent a friend request, I would say, Hey, it's Ari. Hey, what's up? Then fast forward, I joined these this uh Facebook group, multiple Facebook groups, and these people didn't know me in real life. And so there were no hints in my profile. If you didn't know, if I didn't announce who I was, they didn't know who I was, right? I wasn't in hiding. I wasn't pretending to be anything I wasn't. But that was sort of the impression people got because I had a fake name. I didn't have my real picture in my profile. I put real pictures of myself on my account. I posted pictures all the time. It, you know, it wasn't a secret who I was. But my profile picture and my name were fake. I joined these groups and for whatever reason, I, I, it, it, they just clicked. It was, it was, it was the people. It was the format. It just somehow clicked. And all of a sudden, I'm addicted. I, you know, the, the commenting and the posting and the back and the forth and, and very quickly, I got sucked in to this entire world of Facebook and social media. Long story short, um, I had to split off my two accounts because my family was getting really annoyed at all my antics because very quickly I started to raise hell. I started to make noise. This is purely, this is all on Facebook, but I started getting noisy and they were getting annoyed and pissed off at me being an asshole in public. So I created a second profile. I, you know, my first original one, which was just family and friends. I changed it to Ari Mandel. I closed that thing down like Fort Knox, closed the security down to, to, to 100. And, you know, basically nothing happens there. It's close family and friends, and it's kind of boring. My other account, which is free and public and open for anybody in the world to see, is my Rahman account, which, again, is not a secret anymore. As little of a secret as it was before, it's even less now because if you click on the profile, it says right there in parentheses, Ari Mandel. Um, I have pictures of myself up all the time. But so over time, I've gained this notoriety for being outspoken and for being brash and noisy and all this stuff, which is essentially just me, you know, voicing my opinion in, in public and in whatever fashion that, 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 that comes to me. Um, you're definitely so the, one of the big OTD guys out there. Right. So it's not like, I don't know. It's it's hard for me really to explain. I, you know, I hate to say this, but I, I feel like I'm a big fish in a small pond. I, I, you know, I'm just a guy making a bunch of noise on Facebook in the scheme of things. Whoop de fucking do, right? But um, I've gained notoriety on Facebook and elsewhere. So so that was that was that's how you know this this beast came to be. This this Rahmal Islam thing got came came into existence so i get out of the army i come back and all these people know me i don't know anyone everyone wants to be friends with me and everyone likes me and loves me and whatever (sighs) shortly afterwards it was about the summer after i got out um the ultra-orthodox community of new york uh, decided to to 
do this rally in City Field, which you know was formerly known as Shea Stadium, gigantic uh, baseball stadium. I believe it's baseball. I don't know shit about sports, but I think it's baseball. <laughs> um, it's gigantic stadium with thousands of seats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they they rented that thing out. And their the entire agenda for the Sunday was: we hate the internet. The internet is terrible, and it's going to ruin our kids, and it's going to bring about the end of the world. So I'm freshly out of the army, minding my own business. I couldn't give a fuck what these assholes, idiots are doing. But then there was a, you know, a personal incident in my family. I found out that somebody in my family had been sexually molested or abused and it had essentially, you know, it hadn't been taken care of to my satisfaction. Which, so this incident brought back all these memories of, of the rampant, the absolute rampant abuse, sexual or otherwise, that goes on in this community. It is, it is in, at epic proportions, the amount of abuse that goes on in this community. People are going to curse me out for saying this, but it is absolutely, and I know this for a fact, it is absolutely worse than the general population. Population. They love to say, oh, eh, it's just like everywhere else. No, no, no. It is far, far, far worse than other places for a, for a number of reasons. First of all, because of the sexual repression, because of the lack of sexual, sexual education, because of the lack of teaching kids the, the, the proper, you know, good touch, bad touch kind of things. They do not, children are not taught or raised to know a thing, a thing about either sex, forget, but forget sex, obviously, sexual abuse or what is appropriate, what is not appropriate. So they don't know what to look out for when their teacher or their principal or their counselor, uh, you know, touches them. They don't know that it's wrong. They might not like it, but so-and-so is the teacher, so he must know what he's doing. Sexual abuse in this community is rampant. It is, it is a, a, it's a disease. It's, 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 it's frightening. It's at epic proportions. So I had played, it, it was, it, I had placed it out of my mind. I, you know, completely wasn't on my radar. But when I heard about this relative, it just like brought it all back. And so then I started thinking about, here they are spending millions of dollars taking out City Field, spending I don't know how much on advertising and, and, and all, whatever it takes to put on such an event. And, you know, taking out entire schools, they would they had buses empty out yeshivas and schools to fill uh, City Field. All, all for what? To rant and rave against the internet? The internet is your problem? That's That's what the fuck you're worried about? And I said... So what happened was that afternoon, I went on Facebook and I just, I, 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 I was just really ranting. I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with these people that of all things in the world, they're worried about the internet. That's like your house is on fire and you're worried that your pipes in the basement are leaking. Like how the, how fucking dumb are you? You have real problems and you're worried about the internet. So I'm, I'm kind of bitching about this on, on, on Facebook and somebody, a friend of mine kind of said jokingly and in passing, we should protest. We should protest them. And that like, that was like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, you know what? We really should. Fuck these assholes. Let's protest them. So this was like on a Saturday afternoon. By Saturday night, I'm talking to all my friends. I'm like, let's, you know, how do we do this? What does it take? Let's, uh, you know, I'm all excited. By Sunday 
you know, Sunday morning, I create this event. This is, again, this is purely Facebook up until now. <laughs> I create an event on Facebook and I give a little description of what my beef is and what we want to do. I create this event on Facebook, send it out to my friends, post it up wherever I was. And with, by Sunday night, I had something like 5,000 people <laughs> click who were going. <laughs> I was. Holy shit. I was, I, I was, I was so overwhelmed. I was so completely and totally overwhelmed and shocked. I couldn't believe my fucking eyes. <laughs> I had to quickly recruit like five other friends of mine. Like, holy shit. I, 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 I'm overwhelmed. I cannot keep up with this shit. We sent out a press release. We, we approached the media and it, it blew up like a madhouse. This was on, it was in the New York Times. It was on the BBC. It was in the, it was in, it was international news. And this was only about, I believe, three weeks to the day I launched this, you know, I announced it three weeks to the day from the protest. Every, the Boston Globe, um, the, the, the UK independent, I it literally, you name it, and they were covering this thing. It didn't take three days and instant. And, and within three days, the story had turned from, look at these weirdos. They're protesting the internet to, ooh, but what do you say about the counter protest? Which they, till the day I die, they will, they want to kill me for that because <laughs> the, the last thing these assholes want to talk about is child abuse. The last thing they want to talk about is child molestation in their community. Mm-hmm. And of course they cursed me out. They vilified me. They, 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 and, and, uh, you know something? I don't give a fuck what they say as long as you're talking about it. I don't, don't even talk about me. I don't give it. It's not about me. I want you to be talking about child abuse. And it, it, I, I heard back from hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of people that, you know, Hey, guess what? At our Sabbath dinner, guess what conversation we were having? We were talking about child abuse. It, 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 I cannot tell you how happy it made me that I forced them to talk, to confront the issue. I don't care what you say, but you're talking about it because two weeks ago, it was something that was not brought up at all. It was, it was like, what? It never, it doesn't happen in our community. And there are still plenty of people who say that, but I forced them. I forced them to talk about it. So long story short, the entire world media covered it. It was on network TV. It was on, it was on cable TV. It was on international news. It was all over the place. Um, we were camped out across the street from city field. We did our protest and it was, you know, it was, it was incredible. I had never in my life organized anything even remotely like this. I had never been to a protest. I had never organized a protest. I had never even thought of myself as anything related to activism or anything like that. It just, it just blew my mind. So that was my first foray into, I, I hate to even use this word, but there's no other way to put it, activism. The next thing that got me attention was uh, slightly less noble, I would say. Um, it was the end of um, some semester. It was, uh, I don't know, the end of summer, maybe? Or it was one before that? It was before the summer. Um, and I had this idea sort of bouncing around in my head. And it was just like one more bullshit stunt I'm going to do on Facebook that's going to get seven laughs and we'll move on, right? I... Went on to eBay I had, in my life. I had never bought, I had never sold anything on eBay. I had to create a brand new account, join eBay, 
And I wrote up this little, it was the end of the semester. So the semester was over on Friday. It's Monday morning and I'm bored because I ain't got shit to do. So <laughs> Monday morning in like 15 minutes, I sit there and bang out this little description. <sighs> I'm selling my plot in the world to come, as the Jews put it. So I'm selling my you know, it's almost the equivalent of selling my soul. I'm selling, you know, if you're, a, the, the, the Jewish belief is, in a nutshell, if you're a good Jew here on this planet, when you die, you go up to heaven and you're rewarded. It's just like one big fancy orgasm party. I am selling my, you know. You're selling your spot heaven. in heaven. Exactly. I'm selling my spot in heaven. And I made this cute little, uh, pitch, my little sales pitch, and I said, yeah, sure, I'm an atheist, but, you know, it could be worse. I don't worship idols. And, oh, by the way, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't really eat trays. And I've done this or that. I was in the army, and I saved some lives in Haiti. And, what I, you know, I made a little cute little <laughs> sales pitch. I put it up on <laughs> – I posted on eBay. Then I posted it on Facebook, posted it on Twitter. And I said, hey, dudes, check out my little gimmick. Within <laughs> – Gosh, I don't know. I posted it something like nine o'clock in the morning. Within an hour or so, we're at, I don't know. It, 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 it moved slowly at first. It went to like $50, went to $100, went to $200. When it reached the amount, I, I didn't expect to get dinner out of it, right? To mm -hmm. me, it's worthless. It means nothing. But these clowns <laughs> put some value on it. So what the heck? I'm going to get dinner out of it, right? It reached the amount that I pay for rent every month and I was doing backflips in the kitchen. I was like, woohoo! I just <laughs> for nothing. Then it gets it gets to like a couple grand, five grand. Suddenly, this story just blows up. It's on every Jewish news site. It it goes viral. Then newspapers start contacting me. They're like, "Hey, dude, we want to talk to you. This is crazy." <sighs> the entire thing lasted from roughly nine in the morning to, I don't know, sometime in the evening. So it was like kind of like business hours, you know, like nine to five, nine to six, seven. The bidding went to $100,000. What the fuck? Okay? People have asked me repeatedly, did I put anyone up to this? Do I have, did I have friends artificially inflated? I, I did not speak to anyone. I did not ask anyone. This was not planned, I swear. I did not ask a single person. In fact, I had one friend. I had a single friend who contacted me and said, "Hey, should I should I add money just to inflate it?" This was early on when it was still maybe at a hundred or something. I was like, "No, no, no! I, let it be genuine. I don't need you to bullshit just to make it cute. I I want the money." <laughs> it went to a hundred thousand dollars. I get it a call. I get a call in the afternoon, and it's whoever from from eBay, and they say. We want to talk about your auction. I said, sure. What's, what's going on? They said, well, your spot in heaven is a non-tangible object. I said, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> that's because it doesn't exist. Well, I didn't say that, but you know, that's what I'm thinking. And she says, well, because of the rules and regulations on eBay, we have to pull it. And she says, I, I congratulate you on your creativity. It's a really cute idea. And I love your little sales pitch, but we have no choice. We have to pull it. And I was like, wait, <laughs> slow down a hundred grand. I said, you know, I'm, I, part of the pitch was I'm going to, I'm going to send you a contract. So is that not good? She's like, no, it, it's worded wrong. You have to, you know, if anything, she said, you know, you can repost it and. You know, she said, she said, if you're selling a mug and you happen to be throwing in your spot in heaven, cool. 
That's a tangible object. <laughs> oh. But the way you worded it, it we got to pull it. I was like, oh, motherfuck. <laughs> sure enough, they yanked it. It was at a hundred grand. So then the next day, so that was fun. It was exciting. The next day, every goddamn news outlet on planet fucking Earth was talking about it. <laughs> X cost it, puts this shit on eBay, and it goes to 100. It, it, look, let's be honest. It was a slow news day, and it was a very cute and catchy story, and it went viral. There aren't six people on planet Earth who haven't heard this story. It went, it was, it was in England. It was in, it, it literally, you Google my name, and there are news outlets from the entire planet Earth that are, if I cured cancer in 40 years from now, it doesn't matter. I will be known <laughs> as the guy who sold his Om Hava, which is the Hebrew word for heaven on eBay. So that was very exciting that I, you know, that was the, that was fun. You know, it was fun. <laughs> I didn't get any money out of it. And people to this day still reference it and they still say, Hey, can I still buy it? And you know what? I might resell it. I might post it somewhere else. It doesn't have these restrictions or I might think of another way to do it. In the meantime, I had my fun. I got a kick out of it. All right. Next time, sell a copy yeah. of the, the Talmud with a piece of paper that says that that uh, your spot in heaven's included. Right. It's too easy. It's too easy. Yeah. I, I could be selling a sock. I could sell a, a paper plate, and I'm throwing in my spot in heaven. They're, they're cool with that, as long mm -hmm. as there's something tangible. So that was fun. That was really exciting and got me some press, and it got me some attention. It didn't, you know, ultimately speaking, what did it get me? It got me some more friends friends on Facebook. It got me some Twitter followers. I didn't, I didn't make a dime off of it, but it was fun. I got a kick out of it. I got a, some laughs out of it. I had one rabbi call me up. And I was like, oh shit, he's going to curse me out. He calls me up and he's <laughs> he's laughing his ass off. He's like, dude, you need to give me the, um, your tithing in, in the Hebrew, it's called Meiser. You need to give me 10% because, you know, the Jews, they, they kind of like the Mormons. I don't know who else. <laughs> like, you need to give me the 10%. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dream on, rabbi. You ain't getting squat. <laughs> but some people got it. It was really an interesting exercise. It was funny to watch who, who was, who got it, who was in on the joke and who took it so seriously that they, you know, they got their panties in a bunch over it. So some people got it. Some people didn't. It was, it was a very fun, it was, it was a fun, you know, interesting little exercise. That's not bad, man. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. It was fun. And then, you know what? I didn't even realize this, but I learned later on that there have been other people who've sold their soul and they've sold this on eBay and that on eBay. I didn't even know. I was just, I was just bored and I thought it would be cute. And so, and somehow I got lucky and it took off and went bonkers. Yeah. And unfortunately you missed the whole eBay used to allow stuff like that not too long ago, but, uh, uh, like magic things, uh, intangible stuff. They, they basically pulled the plug on that I don't right. know, two years ago. I, so see, see, that's the thing. I didn't put much thought into it. I didn't realize it would become what it became. If I had, if I realized it would be on international news, I'd have put more thought into it. I would have sat there and paid more attention to my sales pitch. Literally, I wrote it in 10 minutes and banged it out and, and published it. I, I didn't realize it would get the attention it got. So how cool is that? If, if you're ever broke as fuck, you could do that again and, totally. you know, sell a coffee cup with it. Hell yeah. The next time or, or whenever. I mean, look, let's be honest. I'm sure many of those bidders were fucking around and they wouldn't, I wouldn't get a hundred grand out of it, but. Sure. There are uh, five, ten. Hey, Some you want a vacation to Europe sometime? Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need a new car. Let's fucking do this. You know? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I'd be stupid not to. It's just money waiting to be taken, you know? So speaking of which, recently, so recently I signed up um, to run a marathon for this Jewish organization. 
and I researched them first and I looked into them and I made sure that they do, um, they do work that I approve of. They help kids and the families with, with terminal Ill- illnesses and, and they're not some bullshit uh, organization that hands out Bibles or some shit like that. So I, I had been looking for some sort of goal. I wanted to lose weight because, you know, I got out of the army and got lazy and gained a bunch of weight and all that. And I needed something to push me and to motivate me. So I decided I'm going to run a marathon. Well, no, my cousin, my cousin has been running for this organization forever. And so, you know, he kind of like his actions sort of, you know, got into my head and he motivated me. So I announced that I'm running a marathon for this and this organization and I need to raise money. I needed to raise the minimum was four and a half grand and included in that price is a plane ticket to the, to the, to the marathon and they pay for your hotel room. But, but most of it goes to a genuine uh, charity. So I'm training, I'm doing my thing and, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm posting it up on Facebook. I'm like, Hey, give me money. Give me money. Come on. It's a good cause. And I was about halfway there to the minimum. And I was frustrated. I'm just like, I'm sick and tired of begging people because it just feels, even though I agree with the cause, it just, it's just like, ugh, I'm sick of begging. You know, I just hated it. <sighs> Some guy sends me a tweet and says, for $10, I will pay you $10 to, to keep the Sabbath. I said, go fuck yourself. $10? What are you crazy? Keeping the Sabbath <laughs> includes, it's like 25, six, seven hours of no internet, no electricity, no television, no cell phone. Uh, you cra- $10? Crazy? So that's what I said to him. I said, oh, go, you're crazy. Then I posted it on Facebook asking, like, okay, he offered me 10, that's crazy, but what would be a fair price? So then it turns into this whole negotiation. People show up and they're offering, you know, they're making, it was, it was mostly a joke. I wasn't really serious about it. I didn't expect any, any serious offers. So it started, it turned into sort of a negotiation. Then this guy shows up, somebody who wasn't a, my friend. He was a friend of a friend, I assume. We weren't even friends on Facebook. I never met the guy. And he offers money. He offered a few hundred dollars. I said, you're crazy. He, I, I said, give me a few thousand, you know, not expecting him to, to take the offer. We negotiated back and forth. I didn't realize he, he was for real. Ultimately, I threw out an offer. I said, okay, give me $36 an hour. 36, why 36? Because for some reason, Jews have this love affair with the number 18, which is, if, if you guys have ever heard of the, the word chai, which is the word Hebrew word for life, also in the Hebrew alphabet is the same letters as 18. So Jews have this thing with <laughs> chai or 18. So whenever they donate, they usually donate in multiples of 18. So it's 18, 36, and so on. So I said, okay, $36 an hour, it's yours. He says, deal. I had, I, for the life of me, did not dream that this clown was for real. $36 an hour times, you know, it's a, it's a thousand dollars. Who's going to give me a thousand dollars? Turns out this dude is for real. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, you screwed yourself. <laughs> like what? Keep Shabbos? Like I haven't done that in years. Like why? Why? What? <laughs> well, Dumb, stupid me. I had given my word without realizing he was serious, but I gave my word and Yahoo is offering a thousand dollars. So long story short, we made all sorts of negotiations. I'm going to do this and he's going to do that. We're going to have a witness and I'm going to stay at a friend's house who is observant and, 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 and all this. And it turned again, as with everything else that's ever gotten the attention, I, I never dreamt that it would blow up and become the spectacle that it became. 
<laughs> I just thought I was screwing around on Facebook, right? <laughs> Next thing I know, there's like four reporters banging my door down. They want to report on it. They want to cover it. It's in the news. I'm going to keep Shabbos for $1,000. Then somebody else offers another $500 if I give a little speech over the Sabbath, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon. I'm like, fuck it. You know, add insult to injury. Let's go. I need this money. I want to be done raising it. So let's go. Long story short, with within that week, I raised all the money I needed. Plus, I think it, I, I forget, but it's over a thousand more than than minimum is by now. I had to keep the entire Sabbath. I that was part of the deal. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't go on the internet. I didn't turn on lights. I I, I went to synagogue. I gave my little stupid speech. I did. I followed all the rules. And that was that was only a couple of weeks ago. So that was the last thing that that got me. A lot of love and a little bit of hate, but you know, I you know, I get a kick. Honestly, the people who get it and laugh along with me, I love them because they get it. But the people who hate me and curse me out from 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 whatever side of the aisle they're on, depending on the sh- the, the 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 shit I'm pulling at the moment, I, I get more of a kick out of the haters than I do the love because they're usually just idiots. You know, they're just stupid, and their arguments are dumb. And easy to refute. And it's just fun to watch these stupid people flail around and yell and scream. And usually it's just because they're, they're, they're jealous that nobody offered them a thousand dollars to do anything. And so <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's been enjoyable. It's really been fun. I, you know, I, I got a kick out of it. It's, it's saved me from having to keep on begging for money. So now every once in a while I'll post it up. If I get another $12, yippee ki I already made my money. So now it's all, it's all, downhill from here and so now i'm training for a marathon and i'm running my ass off and but you know running and training is is far easier i've discovered than raising four and a half grand i'll tell you that i bet <laughs> yeah so when when's it actually take place the marathon is in jerusalem in march of next year so i have some time but you know like i said when i got out of the army when i when i was in the army i was in the 82nd the 82nd it's, it's, it's a really high speed unit and we ran constantly. And so I was in very good shape. I was the best shape of my life, obviously. Sure. That's a couple of years ago. <laughs> right. And so I got out and I was like, oh, this. I'm sitting down on this couch and I'm not moving. I don't know. <laughs> I gained an obscene amount of weight and I got completely out of shape. And so now I'm, uh, you know, I'm working my way back. I, you know, I don't expect to be in 82nd Airborne shape anytime soon, but enough to plot along and finish at 26.2 miles it doesn't have, i'm not i'm not racing anyone i'm not trying to break any records but i just want to finish and get in some sort of decent shape so nice. so far so good <laughs> all right i think we're running out of time mm-hmm. um do you have anything else you want to plug <sighs> look me up on facebook if you go to facebook facebook.com slash r-a-c-h-m-u-n-a facebook.com slash r-a-c-h-m-u-n-a if you see a picture of the dude from 300, the movie 300. In fact, it says 300 under him. So it's the guy with the, I, I believe he has a sword or something with the, you know, the crazy six pack. But he's wearing a flat black Hasidic hat. He's got a beard and payas. You know, you found the right guy. That's me. Send me a friend request and let's have fun. The link will be in the show notes. <laughs> Other than that, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I, 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 I wish I were smart enough to plan all my little schemes and plots and all the fun things I do, but they just, I just run with them as they come. And so you never know. It could be tomorrow. It could be next month. 
when the next craziness kicks off. I do have one quick question. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was I was told to ask you, what does uh, parev cholent taste like? Oh, parv cholent. Ah, cholent. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Cholent is. You know what? I'm not. Gonna, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to pretend to be. But it's. But it's a, a, a sort of European um, chili or stew kind of food that the Jews have adopted because on 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 a Saturday or like I said, from Friday night to Saturday night, they do not cook, they do not use electricity and all that. So they had to find foods that could be prepared ahead of time and just sit there and be ready. And they wanted something hot instead of only cold foods on Saturday morning. So it's a stew that is, you know, the basic ingredients are bar, are uh, beans, potatoes, meat. Some people add barley and, you know, an onion, whatever. You could add all sorts of fun things. But basically, the basic ingredients are beans, potatoes, and meat. And it sits on a low flame from Saturday, uh, Friday, you know, afternoon, evening, and it just sits there and stews away until Friday, uh, Saturday morning, you sit down and have your lunch. If you come from where I come from, it's fucking delicious. Anyone else in the world would be like, what the fuck is this slop? Go away from me. I don't know you. But, you know, having been raised in this world, we find it yum. I'm a vegetarian because I like to be morally superior. And just being liberal and an atheist wasn't good enough for me. So I decided to go vegetarian. If you take the meat out of cholent, it's, it's, you're, you're taking away its essence. You're taking, it's like you're, you're subtracting 90% of its attractiveness. Like, that's it. That's not cholent anymore if there's no meat and or chicken in it. So what the fuck are you, like, why bother, right? Yeah. However, there have been those, not many. It's a skill. It's this very, very specialized skill that I honestly have not perfected on my own yet. But there have been those who have figured out how to make a parv. Parv is the Hebrew word for no meat. Um, it, it, it's used in different contexts, but it could mean neutral. But basically, in this context, it means it has no meat. So it has no chicken. It has no meat. It has no meat, chicken fat. It has not a, a hint of any sort of meat or chicken in it. So the the trick is you have to figure out how to replicate that texture, that taste, that consistency that meat or chicken would add to this stew, which is now all you got left is potatoes and beans, maybe some barley or whatever else you decide to throw in there, and spices and onions and all that. There are a select few people who have figured out how in the world to duplicate that chillant perfectly. I've tried, I've, I have yet to get it right, but there are, you know, there are certain restaurants and there are certain people and, and this, this, uh, family I stayed at for this past Shabbos when I was playing this little game. Surprisingly, this was the first time she'd ever made a par of cholent. This was the first, first time she'd ever made this dish without meat in it and it was fucking delicious. Now, full disclosure, I was hammered out of my mind, (laughs) but, but it was delicious. Um, um, you know, I'm a fat kid at heart and I'm a bit of a foodie. And so I paid attention, even though I was drunk as all hell, I paid attention to it and it was really good. And there are a number of other places that I'm aware of that make it really good. They might, I don't, I don't, I, they might put a gallon of fucking oil in there. I don't know what they do, 
but that shit is good. They might even cheat. They might be putting animal fat in there. I don't know. It's that good that they they might be lying to us all. But there are a few places that manage to pull it off and make the most the bomb diggity par of chon. And so they're there that's what par of chon is. All right. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. It, it's been worth the wait. Thanks, Art. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. We've been chasing each other. We've been playing a little tag, and so I'm glad we finally caught up with each other. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find us online at www.atheistnomads.com. Contact us at contact at atheistnomads.com or leave us a voicemail message at 541-203-0666. You can also like us on Facebook or leave us a review on iTunes, Zoom, or wherever else you find the podcast. Until next time, this has been The Atheist Nomads.